Hey, thanks for listening to Charged Up Conversations. Here's another episode in our Best of 2020 series, where we're taking a look back at some of the best moments and things that have happened to some of our friends and colleagues over the last year. Enjoy! You guys are always looking out for the neighbors. I really appreciate that. <laughs> well, you know? I, I, think, I think that's what 2020 means, though. It's it's like like looking after individuals and the community and understanding the weak the weak link, and not you know not voting them off the island. Are you talking about caring for them? Oh, yeah, I know- yeah. caring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. That's actually a good segue because I could take that a million different places. But let me, for recording purposes, introduce you formally, and then we'll get right back into that neighborhood thing because I just want to let everybody know. So you are Jason T. Tart. You are my neighbor who lives directly across the street. Hence the your kids pointing their red lasers at me yesterday, which was fun. And if I could throw a baseball as good as you, I yeah. could put it through your window right now. That's like, right. I, I'm almost waiting for a neighborhood child to to break somebody's window. I mean, it doesn't. One of your children are guaranteed level. to hit a baseball because your kids know how to swing a bat. Yes. Really well, and you will take out one of my windows. So I every every week when I come home and I empty my jacket pockets of coins. This is pre-pandemic. I put them in a jar, and it's called <laughs> the Mike's Kids Window Fund. I like that. Because I don't want to be that grumpy guy that goes over to Matthew and Bradley and goes, hey, you know what? You got to get your dad to pay for this window. Right. Well, see, that's funny because we have the same fund. And it wasn't necessarily dedicated to your windows, but just windows in the neighborhood in general, you know? Because not all of them have, uh, you know, have kids, first of all, and are as, you know, forward thinking as you. So I appreciate that, man. Maybe... Maybe I'll come over and beg for some change when that actually ends up happening. <laughs> we'll, we'll come on over. The, yeah. the, the new windows come in in, in January or February. Oh, good. So, okay. So uh, we can break one before then, please. Yeah, I appreciate. Look at you. This is this is how sort of sunshiny that you are. Is like you're like, hey, you know, our new windows are coming January, February. I would really appreciate if you're going to break one, break it midwinter. Cause that's the best, you know, nobody needs insulation. I, I, I think maybe we'll, we'll have to do that though. Oh, Oh, neighborhood break your windows party. Oh, I think that'd be fun. I think that would be really fun. I could see who, who could bat the ball at the window and break it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Your siding might take a little beating cause my kids don't have accuracy yet, but um, you know, Christine does it's pretty good. <laughs> Sorry, you got to go back to your recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here, okay. So here's my introduction as to who Jason Tart is. Um, besides being like neighbor of the year, who you know rescues wives when their pet fishes pass away, and provide the neighborhood with fresh eggs, and you know basically a community farm in your front yard and your backyard, um, which we happily donate ch- child slave labor to, um, and keep bees. You are also and and correct me if I get this totally butchered, but you're like an entrepreneurial electrical engineer that specializes in structure moisture monitoring. That's the formal, that's who you are from your career perspective. I think emphasis on the entrepreneur because you're part of SMT research right now, but you've also been a small business owner for the majority of your career, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm classically trained as electrical engineer, um, but very quickly within that training, had a propensity towards business and small business and took ice cream shops in Winnipeg. So basically selling ice cream to in some of the coldest <laughs> climates uh, that were seasonal business yeah. um, and took that ice cream concept to Chicago and Florida um, while I was basically in engineering school and subsequently after. So um, yeah, I mean, that as a business, uh, did work with, in the events industry uh, with the Winnipeg and Calgary air shows. Uh, it seems like eons ago, but I mean, it, it really, uh, between the restaurant industry and the events industry, um, really set the stage for what I'm doing now. And in construction, we're putting sensors in walls and roofs and telling where the general performance of leak uh, in green roofs occur or in new assemblies that architects are coming out with, uh, judging their performance before they make mainstream. So it's a, th that business has been 15 years in the making um, and, and now getting really good traction, um, not only in Canada, but the US market and worldwide. So yeah. Uh, I was gonna say that, but uh, you know, I, know, I know that probably, bodes very, very well for a market like Vancouver, but I know you guys are across North America and, uh, and growing. So that's good. How, how was it, how was it affected by COVID? Did you guys see a big shift in, in, um, busyness or did you have to, did you peel things back? Did you grow? Was it sort of the same? What is that working? What's COVID, Mike? COVID? Oh, sorry. Let me just explain this. So, <laughs> Back in February, no. <laughs> no, no, no. So, no, so I mean, um, obviously, one of the, the parts of planning for any business is contingency plans. And we never saw this coming um, in our contingency plans until it actually occurred. Um, and I sort of praise, paraphrase that. I am married to an infectious disease doctor. Uh, with virology background um, in the bench and clinical. And we did our first pandemic Costco shop January 20th. So put that in perspective. Wow. Um, we basically had a general slowdown or lockdown within Canada, uh, March, mid-March, uh, depending on where you were. Um, so we were two whole months ahead of most in what our planning was. Um, so, so some of the, so some of the concepts, knowing that it was going to come out of Wuhan, that it wasn't going to be contained and, um, my wife, Melanie sort of having this insight, I didn't really believe her when she said, oh, they're going to shut the world down. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. Whatever. We didn't do that for HIV. We didn't do it for H1N1. We didn't do it for SARS. Right. We were, able to, we were able to keep two out of those three quite contained. Um, and then with HIV still being a pandemic, it's just transmitted in a very predictable fashion um, in contrast to um, COVID, which is, you know, you, you can get the disease, you have no idea where it came from, yeah. it's hard to contact trace in comparison to HIV, for example, um, right. you generally know where you got that from. <laughs> um, and, and same thing with other types of viral diseases um like term uh, like tb we track that within canada we we keep it at low rates so so this being novel um virus to our to our 
systems, but also to our business systems. So I mean, predicting out what our revenue is going to be for 2020. Um, we basically put together three plans. One was um, it'll be more like normal. We're going to have a normal Canadian revenue stream uh, from our local businesses, not counting upon international work, uh, knowing that a pandemic will shut down travel. And uh, that was probably the hardest part to watch our growth year in 2020 into the U.S. basically evaporate um, in, in March. The other plan that we put together was what does a minimum SMT look like? So what this means is um, no, no space. We, we give up our lease. We walk away from our building um, and basically go 100% remote. Um, and what people are of most valuable within your firm? Like what is the actual core of the business? Um, and what does it take to restart that business after the business comes back? So, so what is your core team in maintaining your existing client base, your existing servers? So we produce products, we produce widgets, um, sensors that go out to projects. So we have a production facility right. uh, for electronics and sensors. We have software and we have technical service support. Um, so on that, we determined that obviously core engineering and computer science staff would have to remain within our firm. Uh, it'd be very difficult to replace them. They have inherent knowledge about our systems. Um, sales people, we looked at semi-disposable, sorry to say Mike, um, where, <laughs> I understand it's yeah it's what I've been forever and I get I get it, I get it. <laughs> so on so on long term survival um, when I mean long term we were looking at a, at a two to three year horizon of taking our firm from uh, twenty people down to about three four um, and then what revenues would we have from supporting existing client base um, and so literally a hundred percent retraction or you do the math, probably it's like 6,000% retraction. Right. Um, and we forward that off, th those three plans, off to our uh, business accountants, um, certified management accountants. And they looked at the plan and were like, what do you know? And I think, <laughs> um, and I think a lot of uh, estimating where the demand will be after the pandemic is the challenge. Um, yeah. And, and people still in the events business, you still don't necessarily have a set date on when large events are going to come back. Um, and so fortunately, construction and the market space that we're in uh, did get shut down. It got shut down in New York. It got shut down in Quebec and Ontario um, to the point where uh, we did see projects um, get delayed. Right. Uh, very minimal cancellations, uh, but we did have projects in Manhattan that eventually went during the summer, and they okay. went like gangbusters. So um, they were very quick to get on the project when proper PPE was put in place, when uh, New York basically put together the procedures of how you can do work on a construction site. So there's no, uh, we were very fortunate that our BC focused business uh, remained open. Uh, construction was quick to come to the table. Um, we're all used to on construction sites of wearing um, 
construction hats, vests, yeah, hose. A mask and glove for us was like, okay, if you're doing work in in too high a dust environment, so yeah, you're sanding drywall, you're grinding concrete, you're wearing like greater than N95 3M respirators anyways, right? Yeah. So, so for the construction shift, eh? Yeah, so the construction crews are very much like, you know, um, I'm just going to put this phone on silent. Yeah, if your phone's blowing up, we can, uh, we can part ways for a minute if you want. No, it's all good. Yeah. What, I feel like that's funny, man, because when you guys, when you're talking about what your business plans were and how you predicted it early, um, whether that was insider trading or not, you predicted it early. Uh, we, we sort of did the same thing with our neighborhood zombie apocalypse plan. You know, so to give some background on that, we've we've had a pretty tight street for a number of years now because we all have children in relatively the same sort of age group, and uh, and we jokingly talk about you know what we're gonna do in the zombie apocalypse hit because people have vacation homes in various parts of our province and and what happens with our sort of emergency disaster recovery plans and and up until this year it was a total theoretical and a total joke and you know and then all of a sudden COVID hits and and it becomes this slow like okay where you know do I provide value to my neighbors like what what do I do here and I know Jason's an engineer so he can build things and he's going to be valuable for the zombie apocalypse but yeah I I think the moment that I wish I recorded was uh, the first week in March when uh, we were out there planting potatoes on the boulevard yeah space between our sidewalk and the street uh, we dug up, uh, we added composted soil to it. Uh, your children came over. Yep. Um, it was an excellent gardening experience. It's spring in Vancouver in March. Don't tell the people in Alberta that. Don't yeah. <laughs> um, it's our secret. We uh, were planting potatoes. And, and the conversation about the zombie apocalypse, I think it was you that said, well, if things get really bad and we need this as food security, aren't you going to be at the cabin? I'm like, Yes, I will be at the cabin, but remember these potatoes are here. Right. Come and get them if we're not here. So it wasn't planting the potatoes for necessarily our family to survive. It was to put carbohydrates in storage, in the ground, growing on solar power. Yes. So that if food supply were cut off. And I mean, those were real discussions and real concerns early on the pandemic that often, you know, what are we, 10 months on now? Um, Yeah. We're, we're not talking about food supply, uh, food security related issues. Maybe we still should uh, have more locally growing yeah. and um, more control over exactly where our food comes from. But the whole sense of community was we're planting these potatoes, come and get them. And yeah. you got to harvest some of them in the fall. So I remember that. Yeah. And it's funny because I didn't put it into the perspective. I mean, I've always considered your front yard and your backyard. Uh, Yours. <laughs> you know, community gardening, basically, you know, there's been many, many nights where Christine had a, you know, a, 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 a craving for some raspberries and just comes in and, you know, picks some and waves at your cameras. And Oh, I could provide some of the video footage for this uh, podcast. Yeah, we, we might need to cut that. To, if you want to see her coming into the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite is when she puts the bunny ears on and actually like acts it out. It's, just, it's pretty funny. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, it really is that. And that's, I think that's things that we didn't consider as, as, you know, necessity until we started thinking like, well, what if the supply chain breaks and how do we go off grid? And, um, so that's, yeah, that's another thing you guys did. Um, let me, let me shift gears to 
potentially something more personal or, or whatever, sure. you know, however you want to take this. But the main question that we are asking um, the people that we're chatting with right now is um, a little broad, but wherever you go, um, is what was your favorite part of 2020? Like what was the, actually, let me rephrase that even more specifically, but what was the best thing that happened to you in 2020? Um, that's a really good question because we live a very privileged lifestyle. Um, first of all, in Vancouver, um, and in an urban setting and we, and as we alluded to, we, we have a community around us of everyday, uh, neighbors that what the pandemic did was slow everyone down, uh, forced Mike not to go on conventions and trips and his wife was grounded from WestJet and, um, and and you get to see everyone every day. Now C would be two meters apart and there was initially it felt very awkward uh, standing uh, not shoulder to shoulder with your neighbor in discussions and I don't know if you remember that I have some pictures. I remember um, that. And, and we took pictures of literally we're standing two meters apart thinking this is this is kind of awkward. And now, today, if we were to get together, we'd just naturally do that. Um, yeah. We wouldn't think of that as a weirdness. It would be, hey, I'm, I'm coming in close to you so that we don't have to yell. Yeah. Um, but yet we're not having to shake hands, start shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. And so getting to know each, each one of our neighbors more closely uh, some of the introverted ones obviously stayed on Netflix, stayed on video games, never came out of their homes. Uh, we had to do outreach to them. So us extroverted people that, that live on the street all got to know one another because we had nowhere else to go. Right. Um, and, but I mean, it, it, was, uh, it was also some of the quieter conversations with the people coming in, uh, checking on them, making sure that they were okay, that may not be as... Um, uh, out there with the rest of the community so so from that perspective it was it was probably the slowdown of just the everyday churn yeah and I mean the churn of school work extracurricular activities um the ski season came to abrupt halt um and and basically all the all those activities that that we feel that enrich our life um yeah came to a stop um now on on other great things i mean uh, we also have the privilege to go to a secondary um cabin property and we've had some wonderful moments with just our immediate family uh so the four of us going up there and uh, skipping stones in the lake uh making a campfire where normally we're sharing that with a group of individuals um coming over um, being there with just the two boys and my wife has been uh, treasured, but also I'm ready to have some more guests come up. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah, you uh, guys, your cabin is normally like the equivalent of a clown car or, you know, like it's just so. Yeah, yeah it only has so many rooms and you fill yeah. them up with kids and teenagers yeah. and, right? and and if somebody else shows up, well, you put some more in or you put it. Yeah, you got you got land for tents, and it's just yeah. You know, I appreciate you got your door is always open at your cabin and at your in your house. You know, and our, in, and our in house times, but yeah. And I mean, that that would sort of be the other the other flip side is 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 normally we we have a guest room that's full mm -hmm. um, of somebody coming in or out, 
um, of, of needing a space in Vancouver. So whether that's family coming to visit, I call them the Manitoba refugees that come from cold climate weather in January. Yes. Um, or they want to get early spring in March and April. Um, we usually have family here. Um, yeah. And then ultimately, we also have a spare room for um, family members that are undergoing uh, treatment in the healthcare system. So people that have come from afar, uh, we've had people stay here from the Yukon and Alberta. Um, yeah. their, their families here and, and they become part of the community and, and we've they do. shared those people with Mike, yep. <laughs> like with the community as well, they become part of it, but missing that, um, uh, other people in our home has been, uh, has been difficult, but, and it's not replaced by zoom. Um, no, it's really not. I mean, you know, I think one of the, one of the, one of the things you've touched on, but one of the things we're lucky with in our neighborhood is that, um, it never felt like genuine isolation. I think <clears throat> because Vancouver has the weather to accommodate us outside um, virtually year round. Uh, you know, I, I remember at the very beginning when we were all um, learning what quarantine was and self-isolation and personal space, our kids um, would pay, they would play hide and seek across the street. So Tristan and Cole would stay in their yard and my kids would stay in their yard and uh, and they would be shouting across the street, like, I found you, you're under the, under the wagon or, you know, and, and so it, having a community like that was, it was one of the better things that happened to me as well. I think for this whole pandemic in, in respects to being closer with the neighbors, even though we were far apart. Um, and, and when things were required, I mean, um, <clears throat> back then in April, I, I don't know if you remember Ward broke his foot. Yeah. Um, and Melanie had to go look at it. Everyone's like freaking out that you're getting within <laughs> two meters of somebody. And <laughs> Melanie simply puts on a mask and, you know, yeah. puts on uh, hand sanitizer and, and goes about uh, investigation whether this uh, wimp, whether this guy should uh, go, go out and uh, go into our healthcare system. I mean, that was a legitimate concern, yeah. right? So yeah. um, when times that you have to come together, we would. Mm -hmm. um, and and then uh, and and often it requires, and I, I think that's one thing that's missing is, and it's going to be how you rebuild back neighborhood community. And I just was on a walk yesterday, um, and I ran into one of the neighbors, and I called them um, fringe friends. So so people that we would see two to three times a year. Yeah, you might see them um, at the school Christmas concert, for example. You have a 15 to a half an hour um, chat with them, and you're you're legitimately connecting with someone that you would normally wouldn't. Yeah. And, um, those connections are the ones probably that I miss the most. Um, so people that uh, we might just go for a bike ride or do a camping trip once a year with. Yeah. Uh, obviously didn't happen. There's the, there's the core or what I call the core neighbors. Yeah. Um, people that you run into just from the natural, them being on the street when you came home from work. Um, and then you have uh, friends that you obviously make a um, effort to still see. Yeah. Um, so elderly people that we would stop in on, making sure that they were okay. Um, when COVID numbers were low, having them over for a socially distant uh, dinner on the front yard, yeah. outdoor dining, et cetera. Um, and then you have, what I call fin friends, P people that are part of your life that, that currently w w we're probably not going to see. Yeah, I, I, I can, I'm 
I mean, the, the hamster wheel is spinning with a lot of names right now for, for our community too, is we've got, you know, we've got a lot of different, we've got our neighborhood bubble. I'll call them bubbles for the, for the sake that everybody understands what that is now, but you know, <laughs> we run a softball league and we've got a softball team and us, you know, all the other teams that we would normally see a lot, um, you know, and then all of those fringe friends that are part of our work environments, like we've got a massive WestJet family, um, you know, and various other bubbles and yeah, and we've got to prioritize that. And I think our neighborhood based on what you said is, you know, based on the fact that we're seeing each other, we can't go out our front door without waving hello to somebody and stopping for a five minute socially distant conversation. Um, they sort of get the priority and then the fringe friends. Yeah, I agree, man. That's, you know, miss them don't see them you know and, 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 we're, and we're coming up to december i mean do you remember what you did last december yeah we it had was we had christmas concerts and yes. and parties on both sides of your works employment and then you'd have your your softball on your, your side or your sporting events would have a get together yep um our neighborhood know. would go through and do the 12 days of christmas at everyone's house yeah i still think That's we should do that but call it a super spreader event <laughs> um did you hear that like New York is doing these underground, like it's just like prohibition. They're doing underground events and parties and like, it's just. Yeah. So, good. So, so what I really think we should do for our neighborhood this year. So last year we went, as Mike said, into each person's home and we did an appetizer or a theme um, uh, around Christmas. And so we'd go to, I think we we're in five different houses last year. Yeah. This year. And I haven't talked to, the event planner extraordinaire, Mike and Christine, but my wife. Yeah, exactly. I think we should have uh, each family do a Christmas carol. Ooh. Come to the front of the house and you sing it, act it, or do something. And, it, and literally 30 seconds to a minute. Um, so we recently did this on a walk. We ran into friends, again, friend friends that we normally wouldn't see, they're in their home. Yeah, he goes and knocks on the door, and they, our family does not sing. Like we are not musically inclined at all. Which is the best part. And we broke out into song, greeting them, and they said, "What a great idea!" That is so your awesome. family bubble can go carol. Yeah, so stopping from that, um, as long as we're not like too close to getting COVID into your uh, home. Yes. Um, but you could stand on your front yard or go to someone's yard and do a small skit, do something humorous, do a theme. Um, oh my God. I love that so much. Yeah. I love so, that. So we're going to bring community back to the holidays. I yes. don't, it won't be, uh, I know probably when we come to your house and we start caroling, you're going to hand us a fireball whiskey. <laughs> um and we're gonna have to decide whether, we're gonna have to decide whether we take your covid infested whiskey or whether covid can still live on the edge of fireball i'm not right. sure. i think that the alcohol content is so high that it probably kills covid and, <laughs> and a few brain cells but you know um and I, th I think that's where you sort of got to draw the line with with sharing a food in that but not yeah. sharing the cheer that's and, correct and so so those sorts of concepts Oh, see, the best of 2020 might be yet to come with some with some socially distant holiday amazing cheer. Yeah, it, it, I, yeah, and I think that's the, the, some of the part is is working through that. I mean, one of the challenges is, as um, a business leader, though, is what do you do with your staff? 
Um, so, so normally at this time, it's, 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 um, being thankful for the, for the, all the hard work that's gone into, uh, the entire year. And that typical Christmas party is one of the benefits that, uh, some people value quite a bit. And I agree. Whether it's, um, I know our firm, we usually like a holiday experience rather than a large holiday gift. Um, so that usually means going off and joining together to, you know, uh, race go-karts or do exit rooms or go to a restaurant. Um, uh, we did uh, VR headsets at a studio nice. uh, last year. So, I mean, taking the entire team out for an experience that they may not do yeah. um, uh, and, and then sharing that experience probably is going to switch this year, right? So, um, I know I can speak to that because we're doing those the augmented reality, those micro activations for like uh, invitations and gift cards and packaging and stuff like that. And and there's a big there's a big shift in holiday budget from that experiential to um, to sending gifts to people's homes because that's that's the only thing that they feel they can do. Like Zoom parties are still a thing, even though they're not nearly as effective as in person. Yeah. Um, but they're hoping that there's a there's a genuine appreciation for you know material things as opposed to the experiential this year, which you know I hope that it resonates somewhat because that's where the efforts are going. But you're you're you know you're right in the absence of that sort of you know take your work hat off and and appreciate everybody for for their contributions. You know there's there's yeah that's going to be missing this year. So to get creative around it um, is I mean here. I, I bringing it high level. I think, I think one thing that I've, that we've all witnessed in 2020 is how well humans adapt. You know, you give us a new set of rules to live by literally your entire life by. And it took us two weeks, you know, when, that, when we were first socially distant, I was, I was going through the, um, the mindset of like, I can't believe I'm not hugging these guys. Hello, or shaking their hand or high-fiving them or, you know, giving them the manly pat on the back. And it was weird. And then, you know, a few weeks later, it was just, you know, you got, you got your elbows or at one point we were just tapping our feet together because we had shoes on. I, I hope your kids go through hug therapy at some time because pre-pandemic you'd return back and um, both of your sons were um, welcoming in, in giving their hugs, giving their um, um, love for, 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 probably truly uh, everyone on the street, but I was thankful of it to going through a pandemic with, without hugs from, from little people are, yeah. is, is a challenge and, and bringing that back. Uh, hopefully it will, will come back in the, in the next couple of years and that we haven't raised a generation that's not going to do that. I agree. Um, so, so yeah, it, it, I mean the adaptability of humans, like, like going back to that, yeah, everyone says that this is hard on hard on children, and I think it depends on how big a stick you use to beat them. But um, <laughs> in, in general, I, I, I think they're adaptable. And and in in our viewpoint is um, coronavirus has not gone about killing children. It is um, generally uh, elderly and those that are predisposed of of uh, comorbidity, comorbidities that will die from it. The next pandemic, 
and sorry to be a sorcerer and a fortune teller. But <laughs> well, you did predict it a few months early, so um, you know, we should listen to you. There's, you've established your credentials here. Yeah, no, I mean, it would be one of the things, and we've talked to our children saying, hey, these habits that you get now will save you in the future um, during certain points of time. And it's not gonna be like this all the time, but there is obviously, we teach our kids all sorts of other coping mechanisms, like stop at the sidewalk so you don't get hit by a car. Yeah. Um, we, we wear seatbelts. We wear seatbelts that we didn't when we were kids. Yeah. Uh, just fired us in the back of the car. Yeah, and bike cool. helmets. And yeah. Yeah, all of the 1970s and 80s were just <laughs> littered with new safety innovations that we didn't get the advantage of. Yeah. Um, I think public health and infection control will be very prevalent the next five years, but the next pandemic may not be as benign. And I'm not saying that this is not harmful. Like, don't get me, I'm, yeah. not, a, I'm not an anti-masker, believe that this is not, uh, lockdowns aren't worthwhile, but I'm saying Ebola kills 70% of those that get infected. Um, right. And there's other viruses that we've yet to discover and they could go through the human population. So everything that we've learned today our children will probably have to deal with it in their lifetime. Yeah. Putting COVID in perspective, um, our, our good friends who are 84 years old, uh, going through all this, they're sort of like, oh yeah, vaccines coming on the market. When, by next year, things will sort of like be back to normal. And they said, we dealt with polio for 30 plus years of being concerned that our children were going to get polio and be be permanently disfigured um, and, and, and basically go through that as a parent. We're, we're talking about what, eight months? Yeah. 12 months on the onset, two years before we can reach herd immunity from a pretty positive results from vaccine. Consider 70 years ago having children and dealing with, uh, in Canada, yeah. diseases that could affect you. And so medical science, <clears throat> as much as we um, want everything to happen so quickly and get approved, um, imagine waiting decades. Yeah, I can. I'm, I'm impressed with the fact that there's already treatment, or virtually there's already, you know. Oh, I mean, we do have herd immunity is on the horizon after only a year. You know, like it's, yeah, it's impressive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah so, so, so I think the skill sets that your kids, get and adapt to. Um, it's another experience. I mean, yeah. I, I would say our kids have way more screen time. Can I throw that on the positive list? Yeah. They, they have achieved multiple levels of whatever game they're playing on multiple <laughs> gaming platforms. They yes. elevated to like sorcerer level from mere, mere pawn. That's, um, it's very true. Their hand-eye coordination has improved immensely. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah. That's funny. Well, that's, you know, I appreciate that, man. That's been very, that's, yeah, like I said, I knew this was going to be a valuable conversation just based on, you know, the, the many hats that you wear. And so I appreciate you taking the time and, uh, and letting me record all of your thoughts. Cause oh, this is recorded. That was really valuable. Sorry. Yeah. Did I not tell you that? I'm sorry. It was recorded. <laughs> <laughs> we got you on the hook forever now. Knowing. Oh, that. <laughs> well. Anyways. I will let you get back to work, sir. I really appreciate it, Jay. Oh, we have to go to work? We all work from home. So I can't even, like, 
I, I'm surprised you probably don't even have pants on down there. You know, I'll stop the recording now, by the way. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I put a shirt on. Yeah. Same. You see the sweater and the collar. So yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to show you down low, but, <laughs> but, but from a 2020 perspective, who really did like ironing pants? Right. And you, you wear a shirt for what an hour a day now and then you hang it up That's on the it. hook and you don't sweat in it. You're not going to and from work. So you can wear that for a, a month. Every zoom call, you know, it's like, I've got, I've, I rotate like three shirts now. Cause I just don't need to have any other ones clean. It's perfect. <laughs> it's, it, it's, I mean, uh, as much as, uh, I, I mean, dress shoes as well, right? Like you're not wearing them out. Like you, your yeah. budgeting is going like way down. And uh, that was, that, that was another thing I, I, I spent 2020 sort of the budget was like, I mean, I know that we've all taken massive income hits, but my budget, I'm not spending any money anymore, you know, and it's just been, so it's sort of net, net even, but I appreciate that. Cause I've broken some, what I'll call bad habits. Like I was spending $7 at Starbucks every single morning for breakfast. And I was going for 15 to 20 to $50 lunches and, Right. And so when that all stays in the bank, it's, it's actually amazing to watch it, watch your bank, not dwindle, you know, well, in, in those respects. Yeah. And, and I mean, also the other time aspect, right? So yeah, time was, um, I, I think in business, like, I mean, we did a lot of video conferencing before. Um, yeah. And, and not a lot and, of business did. And, and yeah. And getting the, getting the acceptance of it, has taken some time so mm -hmm. doing presentations in april and may um for continuing education for architects in our in our area yeah uh, you see the video come on you'd start the presentation and then i felt like there was nobody on the other side right um as of recent the presentations that we've been doing are a lot more engaging people figured out hey this is not going away and even and you senior can't be anonymous in the background anymore you have to have camera on you know, because you almost want that level of interaction as well, right? Yeah. 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 And, and getting your team used to that as well. Um, but we're fortunate that we're back in our offices. So we have enough space to remain physically distant. Um, we got a couple common space areas um, where people mask up, hand sanitize before they go into it. No one's eating in the kitchen area. They're taking it back to their uh, workstations. Um, so from that perspective, we're, our backgrounds are all our work locations, um, and um, it's it's basically a sort of a different environment mm -hmm. where we're actually going to work to socialize. So we have a number of young people that are not uh, a pretty young team that aren't going out in the evenings. They're not going out on their normal escapades, I'll call them, of socialization. So they're coming to work. So we that we have to be wary as leaders and managers that this is now a function of the office space where previously, you know, that water cooler chit chat that yeah. your that your Dilbert manager would be saying, get back to work, get back to work. Well, that's why we're there now. Um, exactly. We hear about what people are up to and they're sharing their, their experiences with each other um, more closely, I think than pre pandemic. So that's, that's a valid point. I think that's, uh, I think that's really important to recognize as well is that there's, I mean, that's always been a, a, an important part of office life. When I shifted from an office to working from home 100% of the time, I think that was the one thing I missed the most was, you know, our millennial software company had, 
beer kegs in the kitchen. And so, you know, happy hour started a few hours early sometimes, only sometimes. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was the water cooler talk and, 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 uh, and that social environment that sort of let you, let you be more productive during your productive hours, but, um, but also sort of worked through some of the frustrations that work can bring or, or your home life or whatever. I think that's one of the, yeah, that's one of the things we're missing is that, human contact and some people have just said i i need to come to work for my mental health i'm um i have a couple roommates they're all working from home they're driving me nuts um i i I have an office here that i can shut the door yeah um i don't (laughs) yeah yeah the the, the internet's really good right right like i mean at, at the office um in comparison to some of the home environments where um, youth in Vancouver might be have four or five roommates, um, all yeah. using the same low cost internet connection, streaming uh, every service, and yeah, yeah, exactly. And so um, when they get back to our office, it's it's like I, I don't even want to check to see the number of movie downloads, etc. <laughs> some fun. of those IT, those traditional IT checkpoints and, and behaviors are sort of just being yeah. turned off for a second. Well, no, no red flags for it's 2020. Yeah. <laughs> Um, love it man love it <laughs> all right all right let's okay. let's uh let's let's end it there i think that was awesome super valuable man it was entertaining for me to just be a part of this so i appreciate yeah. it man. yeah likewise thank you and if you if you want to go for a 50 dollars lunch let me know yeah sounds good <laughs> we all have the budget now so it's perfect <laughs> all right buddy Take okay. care. Yeah. Okay.